podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am Kaya Green. And I'm Stephanie Malik. And today, we are talking about the show that boldly goes where no one has gone before. It's Star Trek! Ah! 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 Specifically, we are talking today about Star Trek The Next Generation, because there's a whole lot of Star Trek yeah, out there. not the OG. Not the OG. Not the Deep Space Nine. Not the Deep... No discovery here. Yeah, not Voyaging anywhere. No. Absolutely not. This is not a movie. J.J. Abrams not involved. We, we say this, but we're probably going to touch on all of these Absolutely. things anyway. <laughs> because it's all one big universe. Steph, what do you know about Star Trek, the next generation slash Star Trek? Thank you so much for asking. You're so welcome. Uh, I was a bit of a Star Trek household. Uh, my family was very into... Um, into TNG, like my whole family, uh, dad, aunt, grandma, they were all into it. Um, and my dad loved his surround sound system. So he would like blare as soon as it would come on, he would like, let's get the surround sound going and make it an experience. Oh my God. Your dad is a perpetual 19 year old. Absolutely. But we love it. No, it was, it was so great. Um, I've seen all of it, but, um, I don't know if listeners of this know, but I, I don't remember things. So I've seen every episode of Star Trek, the next generation. And I remember exactly two percent of what I watched like I know there's a Tasha Yard that's a character that got blobbed uh-huh. and eaten so I know like little specifics blobbed, <laughs> blobbed and eaten and she died uh-huh. she died that was a big deal uh-huh. um, I know that uh, Gates McFadden uh, was the choreographer for Labyrinth very important knowledge about Star Trek um, so yeah I know I know enough I know enough to have a conversation about it but I'm, I don't know I deep lore about Star Trek TNG yeah. how about you Kaya okay well I too grew up in a Star Trek household um, I recall I know my mom was a big fan of TNG as well and really loved Picard. Um, how could you not? I, truly, how could you not? We'll a subject that I'm sure we will <laughs> touch on. Um, but if you don't, you're wrong. Uh, um, uh, anyway, so... I remember growing up watching Voyager. So I think Janeway was actually my first captain that I, like, Wild. remember um, very, very clearly. Because I think my mom was obsessed with her because she was, like, the female captain. Yeah. Um, and lady she, boss. Exactly. She was the lady boss. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I know that TNG is about sort of the same... Same concept as the original is that it's a crew of uh, people on the Star Trek Enterprise, right? Enterprise? Yeah. yeah. Um, just making sure because somebody's going to get angry at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we well, always say this. No one gets No one ever gets angry. so lovely. I'm just afraid of conflict. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's about uh, a crew um, that is uh, trying to uh, deal with the prime directive, right? Is I, that I think that that's just a command that they have to... Pay attention, but that's not like what they're no, no, doing. No, they're not. Yeah, they're just exploring the galaxy and so on and so forth. I can't wait to find out why I'm, why I'm very wrong about this. Anyway, <laughs> it's got a cast of lovable characters, uh, some of which I love, some of which I used to pretend to be by putting a little uh, uh, um, headband over my ah, eyes. Ah, the Jordy LaForge. The Jordy LaForge. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I only just remembered right now. Wow, flashback. Um, and uh, I know that most, like, the most standout thing for me is that the show has always been very much about what makes us human, what makes us good, what what's the right thing to do when we're dealing with people that are different from ourselves. And I think that's dope. Cool. You know who knows way more than the explanations we just gave about Oh my Star God, Trek? do we have someone here? We do. I know. Big surprise. Uh, today, we are bringing on Shannon LaHaye, who is an actor comedian who's performed throughout Canada and the US. She's written four acclaimed sketch reviews with one winning My Entertainment's Critics Pick Award for 32 short sketches about bees. She's been on your TV in more car commercials than is feasible and in very small roles, including as a tactical officer in Star Trek Discovery. She in the canon, she baby. She in the canon. She also loves video 
video games and streams on Twitch as Shenomenon, said like a phenomenon. Uh, wait, I don't have to read that part. <laughs> I said it. Well, you already did, so. Uh, and she has the most adorable little kitty named Scout. Uh, please welcome Shannon LaHaye. Why Shannon! is it please welcome? You can't welcome her. We're here. No, they can welcome me. Please yeah. welcome me. I'll, say we'll, hello, everyone yeah. listening. Do say it. hello. We'll, we'll pause for the appropriate time. I don't care if you're in public. Say hello Say out hello, out hello, Shannon. Out loud and... Hi, <laughs> Shannon. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my here. God! Thank you so much so for having me. So excited. Yay. So we're gonna start real basics. Okay. Someone's about to delve into TNG for the first time. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for that person? The first season's rough. If first season's so rough, push through it. Uh, it gets so good. It gets so, so good. That's my advice to you. Is this a show where you can skip the... Like, some shows you yeah. can be like... Like, Parks and Rec, you're like, first season is too it's weird. You can start removable. second season. Mm. I, I still think there are solid episodes in the first season, and there are, there are many moments that matter so much. And the first season does a great job of setting up the world and who these people are to each other and what the mission is. So I think it's still important to watch the first season because it's, like, it's not like you're not going to enjoy it at all, but it's... The, it's it, there are points where you're like, what? Who? What is happening? <laughs> um, and there's a, like, I would say arguably the one of the best um, uh, moments uh, in one of a really interesting moment happens in the first season, and then they just never go back to it. Which moment is that? This is the two-parter at the end where they find out that the Federation is, it's kind of like a body snatchers-esque situation. They find out that the these aliens have uh, infected into the Federation and so that everyone in the Federation is no longer who they are. It's these aliens that are trying oh, to no. and Picard and Riker. And it's very, it's actually very like uh, like gore-esque. They, they got a lot of flack for one of the scenes where it's full on like a, like there's a, it's like kind of gore like a, like an alien something coming out of the like chest. chest pressure? Yeah, 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 and Whoa. there's and there's an explosion, and it's 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 very actually unlike uh, Star Trek in a lot of ways. And then uh, that it ends, and it's sort of left in this thing of like oh, and and then and they never return. And I would argue that's one of the most interesting alien encounters that they have and it almost is like after it it's almost as if it never happened and Weird. I yeah it's very crazy oh um, network TV oh man <laughs> it's great um, but I mean it, truly you can enjoy Star Trek wherever you start with it uh, I don't think it's the beauty of it being not uh, serial, serial it's more an episodic is that you can enjoy it wherever, but it, there are still are things that have the weight of all the stuff that came before it. So I think the full enjoyment is being able to watch it in its entirety. But if you're just getting into it and you want to get uh, get hyped about it before you are like investing in caring about every minutia of it, uh, you know, you don't have to start from the first season. Season four. Do season four. That's a fun one. Do season four. Season four is great. Is there an episode specifically that you're like, this one will get you hooked? Uh, you know, what I find tricky about that is like, yes, but sometimes I feel like I feel that way because I have all the emotional weight that makes that episode right. so important. Yeah, I get that. That if someone who has no uh, feeling in the world, like uh, the inner light is uh, considered probably the best episode of the next generation and I agree it, I I have seen that episode 10 million times and I am at the end I am sobbing every time and I don't even I don't care it's so beautiful but if you are just watching it out of nowhere I don't think it's going to hit you as hard and I think it's a mistake to tell people to start with the inner light because I think the inner light has to be something you watch after you 
uh, are emotionally invested in the world and these characters. Yeah, and you gotta it means earn it. so much more. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, context. Exactly. It's like trying to show someone a clip of a movie that you're like, look at this moment. It's a beautifully acted moment, but the, it doesn't have the weight and the breadth of everything that came before. Yeah, it's Frodo yeah. stepping on a boat at the end of Return of the King, and we're all sobbing like babies, and someone's like, that guy's yeah. just going on a trip. Exactly. Yeah. It's Buffy just jumping into the portal at the end of the gift, and you're like, okay, well, I guess that that's that. What other shows can we talk about, Big Uh It's yeah. uh, the last episode of Six Feet Under when you don't know any of the characters oh and they're all dying. God. And you're like, okay, well, this is sad, <sighs> I guess. But if you watch the whole show, it's devastating. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you with me? I, oh, hello. You this is me? a Six Feet Under episode now. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry about it. I just had a vivid flash. <laughs> I, I have it somewhere. I'll, I'll send it to you both later. I have a picture of uh, when I started Six Feet Under, my ex and I at the time, for some reason we took a picture before because someone told us you're devastated at the end. So as a joke, we took a picture of us like before starting Six Feet Under being happy. And then when we finished it, we were like, we have to take it. And it's a picture of us looking. Like weeping? <laughs> uh, it yeah. looks like someone's, like, and they have in the show. But it, it does look like someone in our real life has died. Yeah. Like, and I remember being like, oh, yeah, and then people weren't kidding. That, look, yeah. that show levels you out, It man. absolutely does. I love it. I love it with all my heart. But we're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> let's, let's go back. Let's Should go back. we do a, an episode on Six Feet Under? Any day. I'll do it right now. Beautiful. But we won't. No, we can't. Star Trek. Can't. Star Trek. Please. Um, so what's your origin story with this? How'd you get into Star Trek? Okay. Yes. So Star Trek was always on in my house. Like, I don't, I don't, like, my mom was huge into it. So apparently she used to watch the old series, uh, the original series. And it the used The old series. The I love that as the new TOS. Yeah, the, yeah. Old the, the old series. The old series. <laughs> the old series, babe. Uh, uh, yeah, so she watched that. So when they brought in TNG, she started watching it. And it just was always on. Like, it just was, it just wasn't a question. It was just, uh, it's this day at this time, Star Trek's on, we all sat and watched Star Trek. I don't even remember it being a discovery. I just remember it being just in the fabric of what we did. So it's just like the the background noise of your life at that time. At that time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was constant. So it would be like, we'd watch, we knew when the new episodes were coming out. And I have more of a memory of the new episodes coming out for like season six and seven. And I think before that, I saw the other seasons kind of in syndication because it also, there was channels that would just show episodes. It'd be yeah. like, you know, from like at five o'clock, cause you know, you'd memorize like the TV schedules. Yeah, or you'd have, have it highlighted. You it's have all it. ready to go. I miss those yeah. days. Oh yeah, exactly. They were good days. Uh, so, you know, you'd know that like at uh, five o'clock you could watch TNG on this station and then at six o'clock this station would show it and then at seven o'clock this station would show it and it'd be a different episode. So, you know, there was lots of that happening. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so much of it. I, you know, what's funny is I, my intro was to TNG and a, and a lot of my nostalgia and the beginning of my love for Star Trek is TNG, but much like you, Kaya, Voyager was, and I know, uh, like, we're not talking about Voyager, we but I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be impossible for me to talk about this without referencing Oh, yeah. No, we were wrong before. It's going to be all the things. <laughs> it's going to be all the things, but it's going to be very TNG-focused. But yeah. I remember that Voyager was the one that I was old enough to, to be able to remember. I remember it being announced. I remember it premiering. I watched it yeah. in real time at, like, waiting for each, each episode to come out. So Voyager was, like, felt like my personal Star Trek because I got to experience it all in real time. And, you know, Ooh. Janeway and 709, all that meant so much to me. This is probably a real generational thing that we're, we're, exactly. we're talking about here. Yeah, But uh, the truth of it is, uh, the one I go back and rewatch the most, the one that I have the most nostalgia about is the, is the next generation, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that that I went to all the... My mom took us opening weekend to every single one of those uh, TNG movies. Generations up until, I think, was the last one Insurrection or Nemesis, I think, was the last one. 
Watch them all in theaters. Uh, every we went opening weekend every time. It all like any time they were on anything. If I heard like Brent Spiner, I think w- at one point guest starred on something, and it wasn't a show we really watched, but we watched it. Oh, yes. my family did that Spiner. too. It's totally. like we love Brent Spiner, so yeah. we're going to support anything he does. Like Ugh. if he's on this show, we're in. Yeah. The whole family's watching. Oh, we're all we're all after it. Uh, reading, um, watched Reading Rainbow right away as a kid. Oh, reading Rainbow love was that show. As soon, but that was all my mom had to say because I used to, you know, as a kid, and you'd watch like I watched Mr. Rogers and Mr. Dress Up for Canadians. Uh-huh. Yes, um, <laughs> I met that guy once. I remember my mom saying, uh, J- uh, "Jordy has a show," and I was like, "What?" And that was the end of it, baby. <laughs> yes, Jordy was absolutely my favorite TNG oh. character when oh. I was a kid. Well, yeah. we're the, yeah. our, the next question we're getting to is, uh, we want to talk about the character. Yes. Um, okay. So, uh, one if you can run us through the characters, let us know who your favorite and least favorite. And also, we did this for BTS, and it was I really enjoyed it. Okay. Which is just we're each going to give one word for each character. Obsessed uh, already of Obsessed how we can describe them. Okay, so you okay. you kick us off, give us a brief description, and then we'll all give our word. Okay. Um, so I'm just I'm just going to go through each character. Yeah, just yeah. a brief description of who the players are. The ones that feel like relevant to the main cast. Yeah, okay. like we don't I know there need are some a of lot the of others. You don't right. need to do Q, basically. Can I, can I do some... Oh, man, I was... Okay, I was going to say, can I do some honorable mentions? Oh, you absolutely, absolutely can. You can do Q. You yeah. just don't have to. Okay. John Delancey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's start at the top, uh, top of it all. It was Captain Picard. Yeah. You know, he yep. is... Uh, uh, my favorite thing about Captain Picard that I feel like not a lot of people know, because it is absolutely canon, uh, but it's a small detail that only comes up a couple times, uh, but there's major episodes around it. Artificial heart, doesn't have his real heart. Yep. Uh, got into a bar fight when he was in his 20s uh, with some Nausicans, a little uh, little cocky cadet. Uh, got stabbed through the back because of a dirty pool Nausicaan through his heart. Uh, and then I guess he died, and then he has an artificial heart that older Picard <laughs> often laments the, the, the annoyance of having to handle because, you know, there's a lot of complications. It's almost like he has a pacemaker. Oh, yeah. and, what a full heart. Uh, but it's something that, like, uh, he, th- he talks about that moment that taught him the importance of not being brash and, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the cockiness and the impulsiveness of his youth. And it, that moment shaped him to become the more measured man he is. And then we see in an episode that also when he laments, like, he wished he had never done it, Q shows him that had he never done that, he never would have had uh, the, the, the stamina or the bravery to become the captain he is today. He would have been a wallflower who's too scared to take risks his whole life. It was a very, it's great. It's a wonderful life episode. That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Picard values his privacy. He believes strongly in uh, leadership and morals. He he holds everyone to a very strong standard, and he has no fear in telling the people that he loves and values that they have done something that he sees as morally reprehensible. He is someone who, he's a captain that, because this is a Starfleet way, the captain has to keep a certain measure of distance with the crew. So a whole big thing is that he doesn't engage in a lot of social activities. I mean, the crew constantly plays poker, but Picard never joins because, you know, he needs to have that, he has that belief of like just an arm's length They thing. need yeah. space yeah. to be they able to talk about him. Yeah, and, like, you gotta be able to talk own. about yeah. the daddy. Mm-hmm. Without daddy being there, exactly. Yeah. Daddy, 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 daddy. And uh, the the thing that I think uh, uh, that makes me makes me so excited about Picard is that he is a a, a man and a leader who is uh, strong, decisive, and sure in his decisions. But he values emotional uh, intelligence. He values uh, his his uh, way of going about things is not just uh, I'm in charge. It is 
to check in with people, to give them room, to lead with compassion, and to uh, value and validate his crew, and to give them room to make mistakes and find their way, and to it just just to be a compassionate. He believes that a captain is not infallible. And he holds himself to the same standards he holds other people to. And I just think, I wish more people were like that. All right. One word, though. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought, oh, I thought no, you no, said no. give a description. No, yeah, give a description and then, description, one and then word. we're going to sum it up in one yeah. word. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, no, no, you're, you're doing it right. it right. Don't let her sass you. <laughs> All right. She's sassy. Okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. True. It's, it's true. It's wonderful. I love it. Okay. Um, Captain Picard, in one word. It's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. He is. Integrity. Oh, Ooh. that was a good one. All right, Kaya. What? One word for Picard. Oh, uh, um, integrity was so good. Um, courage. Mine's daddy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I was almost going to say daddy. <laughs> this is just the BTS episode. My first again. thought was Fox. So. Yeah, daddy Fox. He's a bit of a fox. Okay. I'm also, I just want to point out that I'm also realizing as I get older how much Captain Picard imprinted on me. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a hot man. That's a... That man yeah. is... Uh, gorgeous. It is so funny as you get older to be like, yeah, this, the, it, it's the, uh, I, I've seen it put recently as the Legolas to Aragorn to Gimli pipeline <laughs> of who you think is uh, a good, uh, or like Gimli or Sam. I've seen both, both be options. Okay. Yeah. We all know it's Pippin. <laughs> Don't, we just start Pippin and Pippin. You, you, okay. Steph, this is a different conversation for a different I just, podcast. I just want to clarify that the Picard pipeline starts and ends with Picard. There was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was yeah, no you're f- not starting with Wesley and ending no. up at Picard. No, no one starts with Wesley. No one. Some people do. Wesley. We'll get that in yeah, the hot we'll takes. Get that. Okay. All right, we've we've gone too long. Okay, I'm gonna do quick descriptions just because we're otherwise. We're okay, 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 we'll do. So uh, I spent the most on, on Picard. Okay, we'll and do. He deserves, deserves it. it. He does. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get uh, quicker. So then there's uh, Riker. Riker is clearly the the Casanova of the group. He is also someone who is a, a strong leader. He's hard and authoritative, but he is a, a, a fun humor to him and he is uh, like a, he's like a fun party he's the Kirk mirror of yeah. the of the show yep an episode a word for Riker is um I think a word I would use for Riker see I almost said daddy right there you uh, can say daddy you can say daddy look literally BTS daddy episode was daddy just spelled differently for each member <laughs> yeah I honestly I would give I would give Riker daddy okay. for me okay yeah Kaya, what's your uh, name? Chair. That was mine. <laughs> of course it was. Because Please how he sits is iconic. Split. I was going to go do that or horny. But apparently he sits that way because he has back problems. I was literally going to say I can give I can give insight onto yeah. this. Oh he my does God. like a, a very interesting sit where he like swings his leg over there's and sits a, backwards. There's there's so many things about the way Wecker walks, sits, and stands that I can talk about. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, is this an intentional acting choice or no, the actor? It, well, it is, it's an intentional acting choice because he he literally, so he got the part, he, he worked as a mover for a furniture company, uh, well, not for a, furniture, a moving company, moving furniture for people. And literally, a week before he got the job as Riker, he seriously injured his back at work, like, very badly, and it's caused lifelong issues. So Riker, um, can't, he can't stand for very long, so he did the iconic, like, Riker swings up his leg and he leans on his knee, and that was to compensate for the fact that he can't stand for long periods of time. The way he sits is because it's hard for him to sit down, so he does the swing around what? so it doesn't look like he's compensating. Even when he walks, you got to notice when he walks, he kind of leans to one side, like his one shoulder's up. It's him trying to compensate for his back, and he's he... 
he says that he deliberately made acting choices around Riker because he knew he'd have to deal with his back, but didn't want it to look like Riker had a bad back. No, Riker just looks like he got swagger. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm a new person now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm different. Okay, okay. you. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, because mine was going to be chair. Oh, I'm just going to go beard. I was going to go beard if like, not chair. He gets so much better when he gets a beard. Yeah. Ooh. I just realized I should have said Imzadi for Riker. All right, it's too late. It, what? <laughs> Imzadi is uh, is in Betazoid. It's like my beloved, and it's what Riker Ooh. and Deanna call it. Oh, cute. Very cute. Like that. Okay, next. Uh, okay, so next, let's just go straight to Deanna. She's Betazoid. She is uh, half human, so she doesn't have the full telepathic abilities of a Betazoid, but she is has the empathic abilities, so she can read uh, what people are feeling. Basically, as she puts it in one episode, she can. she's a lie detector. She knows if someone's lying. Riker uh, not Riker, Picard uh, is, uh, he relies on her counsel. She is the counselor of the ship. Um, and uh, the mental health and counseling and the ability of uh, uh, addressing your trauma is a huge theme in all of it. And Deanna is the center of that. The word I would use for her is, um, I mean, I, empath is the word. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got one? Also empath. <laughs> I don't know very much okay. about Deanna. Mine is aerobics. Aerobics! <laughs> aerobics, because her and uh, Dr. Crusher have just adorable little aerobics outfits that they do That's little exercises true. in. Yeah. It's so 80s. Can I make mine scrunchy? Absolutely, <laughs> sure, you can. Yeah, no, I mean, Deanna, like, how progressive that a ship had a counselor on it in the late 80s, early 90s. Just like, you're dealing with stuff. You got to talk about but it. But that's that's TNG. All, the, and yeah. the entirety of TNG was, yeah, counseling, mental health, trauma, what it does to you. Like, all of that. Like, it, it's beautiful. Listeners, therapy's great. Therapy's so therapy's great. Therapy's so good. I love therapy. It's beyond great. It's important. It's like going to the dentist. Yeah, man. You, you have to no, do it. No, it's more important it. than going to the dentist. I know that you don't go to the dentist as much as you should because yeah, I don't yeah. either. So no, no, yeah, go to I therapy. I should call my dentist. Yeah, well, okay. We should all call our dentist and also go, <laughs> go to, therapy. to therapy. therapy. Even it's, if you think like, I'm fine. It's, it's like, good no, enough for Picard. Exactly Are you better you than should. Picard? Or do you think you're better than Picard? Do you think you're better than Picard? I don't. Are you integrity? Huh? You're not integrity. I'm no daddy. <laughs> okay, and that's the bullying portion of this. <laughs> We're bullying you to take care of yourself. It's a gentle, loving bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, next. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at the bridge in my head. Uh, let's go Data next. Okay. Um, Commander Data, he is an android. He was found on Omicron Theta 3. He was activated by a team of scientists. He was created by Dr. Sung. He is the one-of-a-kind android. No one knows how to do what Dr. Sung does, so no one can recreate Data. He is uh, honest to a fault. He cannot say contraction. That's why he always speaks in the full sentences. He, my favorite bits in Star Trek are when they ask Data for information, and he just goes on a long talk until someone goes, "Thank you, Data." Uh, <laughs> he is coded. I, I don't know if this is intentional for the show, but he is very coded to be autistic, uh, neurodivergent, and has been uh, someone who has made a lot of people feel seen and normal and wonderful. And Brent Spiner is hilarious. And so once you know that, you understand how artfully Data is played. And he also has a cat, which makes him amazing. And my word, uh, my word for Data is earnest. Uh, curious. Mm. Mine is just hug because I want to give him a hug all mm-hmm. the time. I just love like him. Data, you're working so hard. Yeah, yeah I love him. His, he, his goal to be a human. Yeah. I, Why though? You you got it better, dude. You no, know, he wants to feel. No. no, he wants to feel. But and have like, love. In okay, his but life. like the Tin Man, doesn't he already kind of already feel? No, he's an android. He doesn't have emotions. Okay, but he <laughs> like I get that. But on the show, he is a feeling guy. Like he gets it. Yeah, he gets what's going on. He but, may not understand that he's feeling or what that is, but I feel like he. 
he does feel. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair I think enough. I think yeah, that's the that's the conversation, right? Is the idea that like however you feel is the right way to feel, but as as long as you're in touch with it, right? No, I just came up with it. No, no, yeah. This is my theory. Yeah. Oh, this is yeah, my theory. Sorry, I wasn't trying to take that away from Kaya, you. this is my theory. Yep, okay. Oh my you you are the preeminent scholar on Star Trek. It's derailing you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so next is uh, Jordy. We're going to go to Jordy next because Jordy and Data are best friends. Yay. In fact, Brent Spiner and LeVar Barton are best friends in real life. Wow. Brent that. Spiner was the best man at LeVar Burton's wedding. Oh, oh my God, I didn't know that. That's so cute. It's so cute. They're I best friends. Uh, Jordy is, uh, he was born blind, so that's why he has the visor, which is incredible because he's like this engineer. He's also like a, a Starfleet kid because both of his parents and Starfleet so he grew up going to different Starfleet bases he's uh, incredibly uh, intelligent and uh, great with engineering he loves the ship he cares about the ship and he's one of Data's biggest advocates and uh, the fact that he is blind means that he is able to come up with innovative solutions that no one else would think of and his blindness is an advantage to him and the word I would use for Jordy oh there's so many words to use for Jordy honestly it's just the word I would use for Jordy is Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Heart. Mm. Oh, I was going to say lovable. Yeah. I just, lovable, I think, yeah. I think Jordy just has a, like, a beautiful, a beautiful energy to him. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that sounds very, a like. wonderful. There's wonderful just something energy. about him where he's, he's almost, in my opinion, like, one of the, the most human humans on the show. He is. Yeah. 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 He is. He's, he's very human. He's, I think, and we, we won't get into it too much now, maybe later, but I think, well, I think Star Trek has, there are a lot of things Star Trek got wrong, and one of the biggest things they got wrong was dealing with Jordy's uh, love and dating life. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We We're going to talk about it in okay. hot takes. It great, is great, definitely great. mentioned. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Um, all right, let's okay. go. What, Worf? Do we uh, talk Worf? Hold on, my, I want to leave. I want to make sure Worf is last. Oh, okay. That's, make I'm sure doing we it. have time for some other uh, things. We want to. Okay, we're gonna sure, we're yeah. gonna cut straight to just one word for each of the last characters. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, all right. Um, Sorry. <laughs> damn it. Okay, okay Beverly you go, Crusher. You go. Okay, uh, Beverly Crusher. Um, uh, I don't know. She's. I'm, I'm quickly gonna go. Doctor, uh, friends with uh, Picard for so long. Her and her and her, her husband and him were best friends, and he was the one that told her when her husband died. And she has a son, and she's. Uh, she can dance. She's the dancing doctor. And the th honestly, the word I would use for Beverly is uh, beauty. Mm. Beauty. Yeah, I see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. All right, wh who's next? Uh, Worf. Worf. Uh, my, I, I love Worf. I love, I, it's hard to say who my favorite character is truly, but I usually come back to Worf every time. Worf has a, one of the most tragic, devastating stories arcs throughout all of the entire franchise from TNG into DS9. Uh, he is a son. He is a warrior. Uh, he is a Klingon. Uh, he is the only Klingon in the Enterprise. And uh, the word, honestly, the word I would use for Worf is um, heartbreak. Oh. I love Worf. I love Worf so much. Okay, we'll definitely get into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and is there anybody left? We uh, Wesley? I, I mean, I, I, Wesley <laughs> for me, we get into the honorable mentions. Like there's, yeah, okay. there's Wesley, there's Guinan, there's Barkley, there's Q, uh, uh, there's Roe. All of those I think are worth mentioning at some point, but they, they're, they're not main yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, my word for Wesley would be Wesley. <laughs> Mine would be, and uh, I'm hyphenating this, shut up. <laughs> yeah, very fair. Mine is just twerp. <laughs> what a twerp. Will Wheaton, though, much love. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, a lovely guy. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, what do you think makes TNG sort of stand out as a, as a, as a, philosophy as an idea as a world as yes. a you can't yeah. see but Shannon just burst into a huge mouth like I'm so ready it was for wonderful this. it truly okay so uh, the way I can answer this is by telling you what 
why I love TNG and why I think it's an important show and why I think it's a fantastic show. Um, uh, Star Trek in general is in this future where there's no money, there's no poverty, there's no starving, there is like the entirety of Earth, uh, they exist for uh, the pursuit of knowledge and betterment of themselves and the world around them. The, the goal in life is not to accrue wealth or fame or because there is like, the, it's not any of that. It is to work for becoming a better person yourself, but also to make the world a better place and to discover and learn and enrich your life. And I think that if we all lived that way, be a better world. That I think. sounds so nice. It's wonderful. I want to go to there. I know, I know. So they're all about exploration and and I think, and we've touched on this already, but I think they really focus in on, I think some people have the wrong idea that, that Star Trek's all about, like, it's all feel good and everything's going to be okay. And that is absolutely um, the goal of what Star Trek wants the world to be, but that is not what Star Trek is. So many episodes end on things like... Truthfully, I think what Star Trek is, is to tell us all that there is no such thing as black and white. The world is full of grays. The world is full of difficult decisions. And you can do everything correctly. You can make all the right choices and still lose and still get it wrong. Or people can still get hurt. And you have to find a way to balance that and and your feelings with that and your trauma with that and finding a way to still go forward and push to do the right thing even though sometimes it doesn't work out the way you need it to but you know you did everything right and you don't get the accolades and maybe you even get blamed or put in a position where people are misunderstand what it was but you know you did the right thing and the right outcome happened so that's what you have to do it is your job to tell the truth it is your job to do what is right it is not based on what accolades or what rewards you get from it it is because that is the right thing to do and we all have a responsibility to make the choices that make the world a better place and that we could have the beautiful utopia of tomorrow but it starts today with the decisions we make and it is our our job to make those decisions and that even if we achieve that that does not mean we sit on our laurels because any day someone can make the opposite decision and start tearing and dismantling that and it is our job to stand up to that to uphold and keep the things that we hold dear once someone turns a blind eye to something it all falls apart we have to be the community we want to see in the world and a lot of that has to do with understanding your trauma and working on trauma and that things don't just end so many episodes end with Picard sitting alone in his rating room really just having to sit with the fact that that happened and does he feel is did he make the right choice did he make the wrong choice credits who knows i'm going to cry yeah. oh, oh my god that was so that was beautiful that was yeah. beautiful I, i'm so i'm like legitimately like, literally literally emotional right yeah, you oh are i can see yeah. it with that Oh my that's, god! That's why Star Trek means so much to me. I truly think it truly. I, I truly try to live my life <laughs> in that regard of like, what would I want someone to do for me? How I treat other people? How I want to be treated? What do I think is the right thing to do? Is that going to make people mad at me? Well, is that more important to me than this happening and that being and, and me having to live with that decision for the rest of my life? Man, this is why I get so upset when people say things like it's just a TV show because it's like mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a soap opera. It's in like space. saying it's, it's like, just ugh. it's just your Bible. Like the, for some people, this is like a moral a moral compass to how they want to live their life, who they want to be, and like Star Trek is that for so many people. There are people today in NASA, and there are people today in politics, and who say that the reason they got into what they did is because of Star Trek. It's not just a show. It's, it's not. not just a show. It stories are be. not just stories. It's not exactly. And I think I think because we have such an abundance of, of media and TV, people are very quick to dismiss it. And I also think that because Star Trek lives in a place of 
compassion matters, people dismiss it as like not good or not like not important or like not a good show or that. Oh yeah. Cause it doesn't have enough like violence or blah, blah, blah. And so on and so forth. Yeah. Like pe- for some reason, people think that when something is about, um, compassion and community that it's not good. It's just, everyone likes it because it's just a feel good thing. Or it's, it's not like, realistic. Yeah. And I think that's just a really cynical, uh, shallow view of things. So hey, I it agree. also can be realistic. If you, if you choose to ascribe those principles to your life, that can like, I, I very similarly try to live my life. I'm just like, I want to live it with integrity and honor mm-hmm. and do what I think is right. And that's not always going to jive with everyone, but that stuff's important. And seeing that reflected in the media that you're watching is hugely important to shaping your worldview and how you yeah. impact the world around and you. And aspirational is okay. Like, I think there's, I think we miss out because I think it, especially in the last couple of years, there was, there's been a move away from like, TV that feels good because we think it me it's more realistic, like yeah. the Breaking Bad direction. Um, yeah, and I I really feel like there still is a place for the myth of the the hero. You yeah, know? I, I and yeah, I don't think realism comes from things being like uh, like I think people are like well that's not real life. Real life is terrible, and it's like it can be. And Star Trek it also explores that absolutely the terribleness of things. The having to make Picard having to make a decision that you know is is not something that he feels good about, but that is unfortunately how things have to go and that is real just as joy is real and I think I love Breaking Bad there's tons of rooms for, for gritty stories it's a but boss show they are not more real than stories of working together towards the future that we all want to live in and I think that getting caught up in thinking that that is less real yeah. um, is is uh, hurting humanity it's the whole like <laughs> drama comedy thing with yeah. the Oscars too is the yeah. idea that like drama is somehow uniquely better than, than comedy just because it makes you cry not laugh Guess what? Yeah. Comedy's harder. It's Comedy's so much harder. much harder. Do you know how many people I know who are, I have seen it and just within the circle of the community we have, people who are wonderful dramatic actors and then they get a comedic role and they think like, well, whatever. And they get up and they, I'm sorry, suck. They, they're terrible. Yeah. They're not funny. Or it's, str- it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. And, and it all stems from them thinking like, well, who cares? It's a skill set. And compassion and um, care is a, is a skill set you have to put into and... I find often people who are dismissive of it are often people who weren't shown compassion in their lives. Yeah. And so or don't have like good friendships or and that don't makes me feel really friendships. sad for them. Yeah. So it's like, you know, people are like this yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. It's like when someone says to you something that is like really cruel and they're like, I'm just being honest. And it's like, no, well, you're being mean. You're being mean. That you're being tactless. Like just, uh, just because you had a thought and that's what you think doesn't mean that you're just being honest. You're still being an asshole. Yeah. There's a difference between being honest because you think it's helpful and being honest because you just want to say what you want to say and too bad. Yeah. I, I saw a quote once and I'm sorry I can't attribute to someone is of the idea of like being brutally honest is putting the emphasis on brutality. Yep. And it's oh. like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, have you considered being uh, gently honest or, you know, uh, <laughs> that? A, f- a friend of mine once said to me, and I, I say this often now to people, uh, and I, I, I know she got them from somewhere, but I don't know where, is honesty without tact is cruelty. Oh, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's some Picard I'm gonna, level I'm going to attribute that to Picard. I'm going to assume mm-hmm. Picard said yeah, that. Yeah, Picard said all of these things we have decided. He would. He's very smart. Um, okay, so let's let's get into some other stuff. What are okay. some favorite episodes? What are some stand-up moments? What are some things that you, that like really as a fan, you just oh, yeah. want to go off about? Okay, I'll, let's, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to go on 17 tangents, but it's going to happen. <laughs> um, Can't wait for... All seventeen of them. <laughs> I feel. I feel like for for any hardcore listeners, I have to immediately mention Darmok and the Inner Light. Those two episodes are fantastic. I would say, 
if you have never seen Star Trek, I love Darmok as an intro episode because it really shows off the caliber of acting. If you don't know what that is, it's the they come into contact with a species that has been impossible to communicate with because they speak in what everyone thinks is absolute, like, ridiculous, nonsensical things. So the way it works in the world of Star Trek is everyone has a universal translator. And so everyone is just speaking in their, you know, the Ferengi are speaking in their language, the Cardassians in theirs, humans are speaking in theirs, or, you know, even within. But everyone can receive it and hear it in the language that is their own. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Whoa. So that's, I want that's that. such a cool idea. So that's that. why all the aliens are speaking English. They're not. We just, they're just being translated to us. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but they come across the species that it's being translated, but the stuff they're saying is, is still nonsensical. Their stuff is, and I'll say like things, it's like, it's like they'll talk to them and be like, hello, uh, you know, we are the Star Trek Enterprise. And they go, uh, Tamok, his eyes are wide open. And they're like, Okay. What does that mean? And so uh, it's uh, they find out that essentially that this species only speaks in references and allegories. So it'd be this, it'd be like trying you trying to tell me that you're you're sad about something, and you'd be uh, uh, you'd, you'd say six feet under the last episode. Mm, this actually sounds pretty close to how I already talk. Yeah, <laughs> this is our house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now imagine imagine a species that has never heard of any of our references, and you say that to them, and they're like, "I don't know what you're talking about." That's what this um, the the, uh, the 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 Targaryens. Uh, that's what they are. Um, and Darmok is uh, the big the big quote is Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. And Picard's like, I don't know. So they, they end up being on this planet. And it's this actor playing this Targaryen uh, who's uh, Captain Dathan. And he is saying nonsense, but he is a mode like the emotional, the emotional acting work of this man. A tr- it's a masterclass in acting. If you are an actor of any caliber, you should just watch this episode for the for the actor who plays Captain Dathan because it is he is saying literally nothing that makes sense, and you, I am weeping at the things he is saying. Ooh. It's wonderful. Ooh. Yeah. The, so I I what? think I need to get those out of the way because I feel like any hardcore Star Trek episode uh, lover is going to be like, well, of course. And of course, the inner light is uh, colloquially referred to as Picard's flute. Um, oh, I've heard of this. It's a wonderful episode, but you, it really, it, basically, it's at a probe. There's a flash of a probe, and Picard wakes up, and he's in this like place that he and everyone's telling him he's not a captain. That he's just woken up from this coma and deliriously sick, and he's been told that all of his life on the Enterprise was this delirium. And he goes through an entire lifetime from you know being told that he's actually this person. He has an entire lifetime up until like he's in his like 80s. He has a family. He learns. He teaches himself to play the flute through it, it becomes his hobby. He's on this planet that is dying because of ag- agricultural um, issues and they can't grow things and the sun's getting too hot. And he lives an entire lifetime and watches like his planet, his wife die and his planet die and his friends die and and, um, and uh, the history of this world and these people. And then he wakes up on the floor of the bridge and it's been 20 minutes. And, this, and what happened is that the probe is actually the history of this world that was lost and these people are lost. And the only way that they could tell their story was to send out this probe, and so Picard is now the keeper of the entire history of these people, and did it really happen? Well, at the end, they find a flute, and Picard can play it perfectly. How many times am I going to cry this, this episode? Like, look, before we started recording this, Shannon's like, Star Trek's emotional for me. I just would love to have Kleenex, and she hasn't touched it, and we're both messes right now. Uh, I haven't, uh, it's too early for tears. It's too early. Yes. I am, this is like, okay. So those are like, those are like the banger episodes that are like the big ones. 
<laughs> some of my favorite episodes. I love the one where it's like the Groundhog Day and they're stuck in a loop. It's the classic oh, like, all I hands abandon ship, all hands abandon. The ship blows up and it keeps starting over every time. They start with playing poker at the beginning. Beverly is kind of the center of it. I love a loop. Um, anything with uh, Loxana Troy, uh, Deanna's mother, hilarious. Um, Michael Dorn, comedic genius. Worf is hilarious. People don't understand how hilarious Michael Dorn is. And as a result, when you watch him play Worf, incredible work. And him de dealing with Loxana, amazing. I feel like Worf falls into the, at least for me, the the category of characters up there with like Ron Swanson or like mm. the chief from, of just I that like that. gruff, yeah. but but hilarious kind of like hilarious. vibe. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite like categories of characters. The majority of my favorite Star Trek moments are Worf moments. It's hard for me to truly say who my favorite character is. I love them all for different reasons. So I feel like I'm betraying people. But more often than not, I come back to Worf. And when I look at my uh, my Star Trek paraphernalia, it's so Worf heavy. It's so Worf heavy. It's so Worf heavy. Not even on purpose. One of my favorite Worf moments is there's a species that comes on the ship. It's this very, like, like fish-looking. Like, they, like they, they, they just are in stasis. They can't travel space travel is traumatizing for them, so they have to be in stasis. So they're just like in the transporter like room, just like in stasis. And everyone's going on about like, oh God, they look so gross. And then everyone leaves the transporter room and it's just Worf alone looking at their face. And then it's just a slow zoom on Worf's and he just goes, what a handsome race. <laughs> and then it's a hard cut to the next scene. Beautiful work. That is beautiful, stunning. Beautiful, beautiful. work. I mean, anything with Q is is exciting, um, but I, I can't say Q episodes are my favorite episodes. I know a lot of people love them, but They're I very do. Very esoteric. Can you explain yeah. Q uh, for anyone who doesn't know TNG? Because Q is a very unique character. He is a very unique character. He also is a character that has a lot of, um, he represents a lot of history of Star Trek in general. But um, Q is one of the few uh, contributions from Gene Roddenberry in the writer's room. Because Gene Roddenberry was a night, Gene, one of the worst things to happen to Star Trek is sometimes Gene from <laughs> Hilarious. This is a real George Lucas situation, uh, I feel. He's, he's a, he's a, he's, he had a great vision and a great idea for this world of better diversity. He's a fucking asshole. Um, he, the constant thing with the original series that they kept coming against him is that he's not a very good writer, but he thinks he is. And he oh. would constantly write episodes, but all of his episodes were, the crew meets the devil. God comes. They meet God. <laughs> There's a God. There's a God. There's a God. That's all Gene Roddenberry could write. Was he religious? No. Just, he just, just like the idea of that it. He's just such a bad writer to him that that was the most interesting thing he could think of. Ah, um, great, 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 great. <laughs> so when he wrote the episode for The Next Generation that was for Q, everyone was like, oh, of course, a God appears. And <laughs> um, because, of, because of other writers who've, who made the script bearable. That's also why the first season is very rough, is that Gene Roddenberry right. is a control freak and would undermine a lot of the... the and that's why also the first uh, motion picture film with the original cast, Star Trek, is a terrible film because Gene Roddenberry undercut the script so much it was a nightmare. Fascinating. A whole, Gene Roddenberry, is, his ego is pathetic. I've um, never heard this take on Gene Roddenberry. Uh, I'm... 
Ugh. Fascinated. So, uh, so of course, he comes up with Q, and because of the brilliance of John Delancey and other writers, Q became a stable character. But Q is an omnipotent being. He does not live. He does not die. He does not experience time. He just he exists. He exists. He presents himself in his form to Picard because you know you're a human. I'll show myself as a human. He sees humans as we see cockroaches. Um, he sees them for his entertainment. He doesn't take time seriously. But there are small things Q does that show that he is a fondness for humans that I think starts with Picard. But the, f uh, you know, the first episode is like, all of humanity is on trial. Uh, we're going to decide if we're going to wipe them out. Q is also just the name of the people. Like Q is Q, but all of them are Q. So mm. every Q is a Q. So there's episodes where there's other omnipotent beings and they are also Qs. Like, so Q, it's it's a whole thing. But it's a, he's a fascinating character. Um, one of my favorite episodes, it's a Q episode, is the one where he introduces the Borg. I think that is a brilliant episode for so many reasons. It shows that Q does, because it does, it seems the whole episode is just playing around. For people who don't know, the Borg live in the Delta Quadrant, which is a far, 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 far off far off, so many years away. Like, it's like the bottom, deep, deep, deep bottom of the ocean is a Delta Quadrant. No one really understands what's down there or knows fully what exists down there. Like, we could have, who God knows, at the bottom of the ocean. That's, I'm afraid of it every day. That's the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. And that's where the Borg are from. And they are, you know, anyone knows the Borg, they are the scariest. They are like, uh, they destroy, they wipe out. Their whole thing is just assimilation, annihilation. They are an allegory in my mind for colonialism. And Hell yeah. Uh, they, uh, they are something that uh, become a huge issue for the human race. And so Q, in an episode playing around with them, tells Picard, you know, you, you think you can handle what's out there, but you can't. And Picard's like, I think what, we can handle whatever happens. And so to teach him a lesson, Q, with a snap of his fingers, sends Picard deep into the Delta Quadrant. Oh, shit. Um, rude. To come across. <laughs> that is rude. It is very rude. Very rude. Um, to come across uh, the Borg. And so that it's their first dealing with the Borg. He's trying to communicate. And they're, and you, can, you watch the, clue, cr the crew slowly go from, like, well, we'll deal with this and watch all their tactics that they usually work not and watch them slowly get scared. My favorite, favorite moment is in this at the end when, towards the end, where Q's like, I'll send you back if you admit. Like, it's just, he just wants Picard to admit he can't handle it. And he's he's toying around and his whole thing is Picard's ego won't let him admit it. And Picard, and Q, Q's on the bridge as he's trying to deal with this Borg cube coming at him. Picard's trying to manage it and Q's taunting him. And finally Picard turns to him, he's like, yes. I am afraid. Is that what you want me to say? I am scared, Q. I am afraid. I do not know what to do. Is that what you want? I have said it. Now, please send us back. I Like, just to prove to Q that he's not too proud. Like, I will admit I am afraid. Like, I am not here. My ego is not the issue here. Stop screwing around. Like, his, the importance of his crew matters. And then, you know, he gets sent back. And it all just seems like Q's doing this whole, like, thing. But then at the end, there's this realization that, like, here's the thing. The Borg now know you exist. And they're going to come now. Oh. They are coming. That oh. is that is how it all starts. However, then there's the underlying of they probably were going to come regardless. And what Q did was give the Federation a heads up about that. A warning. Them. A sneak preview. A sneak oh. preview. And the Enterprise uh, an opportunity to scan their vessels and their weapons and to have an experience with them. And so... Without actually... Oh! So did Q incite the Borg finding Earth or did Q do what he could to give humanity a chance to take on the Borg? I am on the edge of my seat. Exactly. Ah! Can, I, I have a pitch. I have a pitch for a new show. Oh my God. The new show is Shannon Describes Star Trek. Oh my God. And Done. does episode by 
episode, you just do a quick rundown, and I am going to listen to every episode. You My are very good at this. God, I can. T- can I tell you? Anyone who knows me, I I try to measure myself so much, but literally all I want to do is just sit and describe Star Trek episodes. Like I feel like we could do. We're we're already like we've way past our 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 yeah. question area yeah. because this is so fascinating. Yeah. And I feel like this could be a five part episode. I honest to God, if people, if if you guys just uh, want me to just uh, if people just pick an episode, I'll just record describing and I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay, I got I got two real quick questions, okay. then we're gonna go to hot takes. Okay. What would you love to see from Star Trek in the future? Um, I would love to see okay, I've got one fun one, and then I have one that I feel is more like politically minded. Ooh, ooh I love a dichotomy. <laughs> um, what I would like to see more from Star Trek in general, I've said this from the get-go. My favorite thing about Star Trek is what I think makes Star Trek so amazing. It doesn't take itself seriously, it pokes fun at itself a lot. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, a fantastic show. If you are not a big Star Trek person and you want to get started, start with Lower Decks. It's Rick and Morty meets Star Trek. It's amazing. Um, they but have a character named Badgie. <laughs> we wrote a trivia question on this recently. Anyway, please continue. Uh, Tawny Newsom, uh, uh, obsessed. Follow her on Twitter. She's amazing. Um, so uh, I w- forever said that I would love to see a Star Trek series that is about a non- Federation vessel, like not not like within the Federation, like an alien vessel, but the, they're part of the Federation. Right. And I want to see them navigating being in space, and they can call on the Federation for help. But they're so it's not like the Enterprise or that. It's like the cargo ship six of the the uh, Romanians who are. Right. That's I think that would be very cool. I would love to see something like that. Just like build out the world a little bit mm-hmm. so it's not singularly just the Enterprise. Or not the Enterprise, sorry, the Federation. The from the Federation from the Federation's point right. of view. Because yep. there's lots of species that are, are part of the Federation that become part of that treaty, but the Federation is like Earth. Like the, the Federation headquarters, for people who don't know, is in San Francisco. Um, so I, I always would like to see that. Um, on a more um, like political realm of stuff, I think Star Trek has a unfortunate history, and they they've tried and they've botched it over and over again of how they represent um, indigenous people. And I Oof, think yeah. it would be great for that to be amended because I also think that. Um, I felt similarly with uh, how they uh, portrayed black women. And then, you know, we have the absolutely incredible force of Sonequa Martin-Green now in Discovery. And you should be watching Discovery. It's very good. As someone who was resistant to it because I was afraid it was going to be like a too too much like the J.J. Abrams films and like wouldn't have the heart of Star Trek. I was wrong. I was so wrong. And if you feel that way, I promise you're wrong. You should watch it. It's very good. Also, it has like non-binary and trans characters, Exactly. Right? Oh. Also, it has Shannon LaHaye in it. <laughs> also, it has Shayla Hating. Yeah. You're part of the canon. Yeah, You're I part am. of Star Trek. I am. The, the Star Trek wiki fandom on my birthday will tweet about me, and I'm like, I want to die every oh time. My oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so, like, when I heard about that for you, I got excited I, for yeah. you. It happened because I went to my agent, and I told her how much Star Trek means to me, and I said that, like, a career goal of mine is to be on Star Trek, and she pulled every, she did everything she could to get me an audition. Because, like, I, I can't, and a lot of us can't audition for it, but, it, it you know, I, 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 I asked her, I told her what a priority it was for me and she made it happen and they liked me and they brought me on one of the best days on set that set was won fantastically and Sonequa Martin-Green she is a an absolute masterclass on how you should be when you're number one on the call sheet she treated everyone in that crew like she's like a captain I uh, she is she's a bubbly wonderful joy and she made me feel like a superstar and I at the end I got to tell her what a fan I was because she's in The Walking Dead as well and she responded with well I, now I'm a fan of you and then she gave me a huge oh. hug oh. 
she's wonderful. She's wonderful. Plus. She's wonderful. She's an amazing person. Wow, that's so exciting. Yeah. So our last question we always ask is, what's the nerdiest thing you've done in relation to this fandom? But I think you just told us. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. to be yeah. part of no, 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 no. Oh, I've got no. Better one. Okay. So I, I stream on uh, Twitch. Nope. I have a Twitch channel. And uh, the, you can have redeems and rewards on your channel so that people can like spend channel points and ask for something. And I also uh, grew up doing Star Trek. A big thing growing up is my brothers and I for, for Christmases and birthdays. Oh, I know what this we is. Would get, <laughs> we would get action figures. Now, yes. I now have possession of all the action figures. I got the blessing from um, my mom and my, my brother and then my other brother has kids. And I was like, do they want them? And they were like, they don't want to play with these. So I now have them all in my possession. And if you follow me on Twitch, I'm Shenomenon, and you redeem Star Trek Kiss Cam, I will take two action figures, I'll spin a wheel, take two at random, I'll come up with a story, and then I'll make them kiss for the camera. Star Trek is cam. Star Trek is, <laughs> hashtag Star Trek is cam. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. We're going to move on to our hot takes because right. I want to make sure we get some of these in. There are so, so many hot takes. There are takes. so many. Right. I, I, I'm already seeing a problem in that we have tried to do one Star Trek episode. Yeah, that was a mistake. We're going to do more. We're going to do many more. You need to come back, I think. <laughs> oh, I will, I will. Um, Listen, I will be your resident person that comes on to Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> All I want to do is talk about Star Trek and cry. Yes. And well, no one wants to indulge me in this. Except we, for you haven't cried and we've cried multiple I, times. I, yeah. I'm, I haven't cried because I'm I'm on adrenaline, but I've gotten close a you're, couple times. You're holding it together. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, give us on, on any social media, hashtag bring, bring Shannon back and we yeah. will anytime. Absolutely. Yes. Um, okay, right. so uh, let's do lightning rounds. So like I'm going to try just so we can get through a bunch of them. We'll, we'll see There's we'll so see many good do. hot takes here. Okay, okay. hit it. Okay. Uh, this is from Nancy Kenny on Twitter. While the show was super progressive in so many ways, it mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with its female characters. Absolutely. One of the biggest problems with Star Trek is, as, as progressive as it was, it is incredibly misogynistic as a show. In the original series, there's lots of abuse towards the female staff members. In TNG, especially in the first season, it's why uh, Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar, asked to be written off. It's why Gates McFadden didn't return for a second season until she, they renegotiated her contract, and that's only because the fandom flipped out. Uh, Marina Sirtis, give her a microphone in a minute. And she will tell you the misogynistic assholery that she had to deal with. And then there's Terry Farrell, who was in Deep Space Nine. And you would think she'd want to stay for the final series to do her victory lap. But she left to do a, a sitcom with Ted, Dan uh, Ted Danson because of how poorly she was treated and was told, quote, you're here for the eye candy. Shut up and look hot. Ew. Yeah. The, the misogyny in Star Ugh. Trek is rampant and unfortunate. Oh, that is gross. And on that note, we're going to move on to this one from Silemano. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. On Discord. Um, that one Geordi episode in which he tries to date Dr. Leah Brahms uh -huh. was written to please the incel part of the audience uh -huh. in mind, even if they didn't have a term for it. Such nice guy TM mentality. I can't agree more. What a beautiful, astute take. Also, because Geordi is a wonderful person, anytime they give him a storyline, they make it the, uh, the uh, I've been friend zoned which I don't think is consistent with Jordy's character and also uh, Jordy's hot I don't believe he's hot he's an he's engineer and he's a sweet wonderful man I don't believe he had to be in silly about any of that I don't crap. even date boys and that guy's a catch yeah they 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 truly I, I think they should have done better with Jordy's love life all right. This one is Starfleet, and by default, the Federation is militarism to the extreme. Mm -hmm. They claim they're not a military, but they clearly mimic everything that is military, right down to ranks and court-martials. Mm -hmm. They even have a death penalty. Star Trek takes place in a hyper-militaristic society that has some fantastic PR and marketing and strong indoctrination. I think that that is, it's not that I don't think that that's necessarily accurate, but I do think that a lot of Star Trek, that's their whole thing is to talk about how dangerous and militaristic 
Starfleet can be if not kept in check. And it does get that way. But uh, the whole thing is that Starfleet's supposed to be about exploration, not interfering, and not, um, I mean, the prime directive is is uh, is basically you don't, you don't interfere. Um, I do think that there are militaristic things to it. I absolutely see that it's impossible to not look at it through that lens, and we should absolutely be critical of that stuff. But um, there are many, many episodes that deal with Starfleet wanting to do things the military way and Picard having to go against that because he knows that it's wrong. And I, I think there's a value in, in, in acknowledging that, but also understanding that that's also kind of what Star Trek is trying to put up to the world mm. is that you like so many times there are we should you should not just blindly follow what Starfleet is doing even no. even the people in Starfleet have to push against it yes it's military uh, military uh, it, 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 militaristic in a lot of it um, and I don't disagree with that but I don't think it's just simply meant to be military with good PR but but yeah fair all right. Um, okay, how about this one? Um, this is from Hisham Jalati on uh, Facebook. Jalati, I, I did a typo. Oh, I'm so sorry, Hisham oh, Jalati. Hi. That Hisham. makes sense because I'm like, well, that's close to the I name was gonna I know. Say, no, uh, I yeah. typoed. So I typoed. sorry, Hisham. Hi, Hisham. Um, uh, great comedian. Look up Hisham. And he's um, also a huge Star Trek person. Yeah. yeah. Um, we should also have him. We just have you two go at it. That'd oh, my God. Oh, I would love to send Star Trek. Oh. That'd be so great. Uh, Star Trek TNG, literally, the entire show is about daddy issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you've got you've got Wesley, you've got Deanna, you've got honest to God for me, Riker and Picard were daddies. <laughs> daddies, 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 daddies. I, you know what? Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Because even even anything to do with like disappointment, like the, you've even got you've got Data who never knew his father. You've got you've got Worf, son of Moog, and all the things that he has to deal with because of his father. There's Alexander and Worf's relationship because father, please love me. Yeah. Dad. Daddy, 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 daddy. Okay, uh, so you brought up Wesley Crusher, and he's a, boy, is he a hot take all in uh-huh. himself. Um, so this person said, I enjoy Wesley Crusher and feel he was incredibly important to me becoming a fan of Star Trek when I was a kid watching TNG. So this is uh, in the pro-Wesley Crusher camp. Fair enough. I can see the argument for pro-Wesley. I think that Wesley is, uh, I think they did Wesley dirty with some of the writing. He was supposed to be a whiz kid, very smart, and was supposed to be this like genius uh, pseudo-crew member. And um, and I think that Will Wheaton is lovely. And I think they just, they um, I think the writers just, just poorly wrote, wrote, wrote Wesley that he got more and more annoying and kind of grating. But I think that for a lot of kids who were either high IQ or were bullied in school because they were too nerdy, I think Wesley was a very meaningful uh, figure for them, and I, I don't want to take that away from anyone. Will Wheaton is lovely. And, hey, the episode, the game with Wesley and Ashley Judd, phenomenal episode. But I am more Team Jake than I am Team Wesley. Jake oh. is the the kid who was on Deep Space Nine because he 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 I don't know I think he's Cisco's kid yeah he's Cisco's yeah. kid and he gets he's like uh, he's on a space station he's friends his best friends a Frankie and he goes I, I think I think I think that I wish they had had more of the elements of fun and adventure and being a kid of being a kid that they did with Jake that they could have done with Wesley. And, and I think part of that was uh, was a power tripping. There was, uh, Will Wheaton talks about some some depression and, uh, and abuse that he experienced Oof. while doing TNG. And I think, and he said that he feels that some of the storylines were written to poorly portray Wesley as a way to uh, 
punish and make Will Wheaton miserable. I, yeah. I find it really interesting because, like, not to bring it, but I'm always going to bring it back to this, but, like, Buffy and Angel both have storylines, too, where they, like, introduce a young character and mm-hmm. everyone hates both of those characters mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like every time they bring in a young person and then give them a lot of drama, it never goes well. Yeah. Everyone always finds it irritating and grating. Yeah. And I do think you're right in saying, like, if you gave them the fun and let the drama yeah. be the adult stuff... I think that would work so much better. It would work so much better. And I I also think, like, I, you know, I, I was a kid. People like people would get mad at me for being, like, a know-it-all or know-it-allism. Because it is hard. I'm neurodivergent. It is hard for me not to hear something and be like, oh, actually, it's this. And I think I'm being helpful. And people are like, eh, 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 eh. Um, I like it. Yeah. Some people don't. And I think Wesley can speak to that wounded part of me. And so there are episodes with Wesley where he's like being a know-it-all that like I don't like, but because it's it, it reflects something in me that people made me feel crappy about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I, I don't want to take away anyone's love for Wesley. Um, Will Wheaton, great, love. Great dude, great Will Wheaton, dude. wish all the best. Uh, so this one comes from Doc Monocle on Discord. Captain Picard has to be one of the most compromised Starfleet officers. Among his crimes are being a pet of Q, being mind-controlled by Damon Bach, assimilated by the Borg, a Kardashian prisoner of war subjected to physical and psychological torture, among other things. And yet, look how he still leads. <laughs> I, I agree, but I do think that that makes him a, a good leader. I think Because I think, again, I've talked about this before, there are so many episodes that deal with Picard having to deal with what he's been through, and he uses those experiences to inform how he deals with future things. I mean, the episode after he becomes a Locutus, after he's uh, taken by... Best of both worlds? Is that that episode? The Borg. Um, is that the name of it? I sometimes forget. It's I'm not two-parter. great at remembering episodes. No, it's... Oh, well, sorry, yes. The best of both worlds. Sorry, yes. That's a two-parter with him. The episode I'm talking about is the one that happens after that when, to deal with his trauma, he takes a long leave off the ship and he goes back to La Balle, France to be with his brother Robert uh, on the winery and um, and just sort of come to terms with what happens to him and then also deal with the fact that like he's like left uh, he, he didn't he's not he and his brother are like not in great terms but then they sort of rekindle on it and I think that episode he talks he talks about like you know there's oh, it's a great scene it's a great scene sorry real quick it's a great scene where he and his brother fight and then it's like what did they do to you up there and he starts he just starts sobbing and he's like they took who I was and they used me as a weapon and it's and then and he does this whole thing and his brother goes well see my brother's human after all this is going to be a long time with you Jean Luc and you will have to find your humanity again through and I think that that makes him a better leader. And I agree. He is the most compromised, 100%. 100%. He has been through uh, so much, um, but uh, it all has made him a better leader. Oh, I feel like we could do this all day. I feel like, uh, last but not least, what is your hot take? My hot take on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, you want to get it out. This is your moment. This is all it. Right. This is your moment. This is my moment. I think my hot take is that, okay, my, my hot take is that Spot the Cat's a fantastic character. Um, we do have a take from Stu here saying that Data and Spot should have yeah, had their own spin-off. It's criminal they didn't get their own spin-off. It's criminal they didn't Thank get their you, own Stu. spin-off, but I recently saw a panel interview with Brent Spiner where they brought up Spot, and he said every time they saw Spot in the script, they all groaned because they knew it was going to be the worst day on set. Because of the cat? Because of the cat. Yeah, that's like, very funny. <laughs> he said because of the cat, but he also specifically said, he's like, the writers would write stuff that cats just don't do even a trained cat <laughs> would do. Yeah, he, he talks that he really he really dreaded working the spot data episode. Very funny. Um, okay, uh, let me just do a quick. I'm just trying to think what my hottest take would be. Um, oh, you know what? 
I, this is, this is my hot take. And then I saw it in your Twitter on Twitter. Someone commented a similar thing and I was like, oh, I agree with this. Um, Deanna and Riker are fucking the whole time. <laughs> they're, they're together the whole time. They're, they're on again, off again. There's no way they're not hooking up on the ship because yeah. there's little things where it's like, what's going on? But they also are actively having other relationships and then talking to each other about it. And they're very genuine. It's a very progressive view on things because yeah. there's a time where someone tries to make Riker jealous because he has Deanna. And Riker laughs and he's like, if you can make Deanna happy, nothing would make me happier. And <gasps> if you have what it takes to appreciate her, I say you go for it. But she's a very intelligent woman and I don't think you have what it takes. Oh. And I trust her to know that for herself. <gasps> it's so it's so well done. And then there's another episode where she's possessed and then she's like sexually rampant. And then she tries to be like, are you jealous? It's none of your business. And he's like, yeah, I, it's not any of my business at all. Uh, do you want to talk about this or not? Because otherwise I'm going to go. Like it's, they, tr oh. they, it really takes a thing. So someone here said that Riker and Deanna are polyamorous. I completely think that's true. Cool. And also Gene Roddenberry's uh, constantly, and I think this is a positive thing, Star Trek is supposed to be sex positive and like the Gene Roddenberry's whole thing is that like they should be having like you know it, it's nothing to them to have orgies or to hook up with a oh you, you, I'm I'm curious like, like there's no shame in that there's no shame in that but there's also it's there's it's not about like um it's not about like oh I like women or I like men or I am I am neither of those things everyone is whatever they want to be who cares if Riker and Picard were to have sex who gives a shit like Would, it's, yeah. which I mean makes it's, sense because in a world with infinite aliens and cultures and societies. Why on earth would you give a shit about yeah. gender? Yeah, also, exactly. Gene Roddenberry's own wife plays one of the most like uh, sexual characters on the show. She in my does. Opinion. She's just very like hello. Do you also know she's the voice of the computer? You don't think I know that? Okay. Of course, oh, no, I know. some people no, yeah. don't know no, that. I, so basically, in I summary, hashtag Star Trek fucks. Star, Star Trek, Trek fucks. <laughs> also, real quick, one of my favorite bits in Star Trek is the fact that Loxana Troy, played by Magel Barrett, can never get the computer to obey her, and she's also the voice of the computer. Because it's herself. That is it's very fun funny. bit. It's a very, very fun. Ongoing gag. I love it. All right. At the end of every episode, we like to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we will do in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, we're going to talk about how you can support our show. There are many free ways that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, first of all, you can reach out, follow us, send us compliments or questions or hot takes at Fandom Show Pod. Uh, if you have ideas for future episodes or you want to catch up on past episodes or just want to say hi, you can visit us at thefandomshow.com. Uh, please tell all your nerdiest friends about us. Uh, and if you can, get on your podcast provider of choice, though ideally Apple Podcasts, and do a little rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, even a one-sentence review helps us move up in the charts. So like, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'd love to help them, just post like hashtag Star Trek fucks. I don't know. Yeah. It confuse yeah. people who are looking at her reviews. And it does. Yeah, it and, does. and it does. Fucks with an X, please. Yeah. Uh, and this show will always be free, but if you want to support us monetarily, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thefandomshow. You can throw some hard-earned dollars our way. We're actually uh, about to launch... Uh, our new bonus podcast. Our new bonus podcast. All of the other, all of our other podcasts on this network have one, and we didn't. And guess what? We're gonna have it. It's gonna be called the, the Fan, Fan Club, Club. and we're just gonna uh, expand on micro fandoms. We're just gonna talk about what we're nerding out yeah. about. Yeah, it's gonna be Steph and I talking about our uh, current fandoms, things that we are getting getting real geeked up over. Yeah. So uh, check that out. Um, if you if you want to toss us some dollars, you don't have to, but it's nice if you do. Also, uh, uh, keep an eye out for poorly recorded audio clips of me just describing episodes and sending them to Kai and Steph and making them post them. Honestly, we will, <laughs> we will put those on our Patreon. So. I'm actually going to send you some of the other hot takes because I just want to see your reactions to them. Hell yeah. Um, and then our theme song is by Yusu Kim and our logo is by John Blair. And now our micro fandoms of the week starting with 
Shenomenon. Okay, yeah. Um, Unless uh, you need a second. No, sorry. <laughs> huh, John Blair's great. Um, John Blair's he great. is. Very talented. Well, oh, Look up John such Blair. A ta- you should. I'm not, like, not even joking. Honestly, micro-fandom, John Blair. Um, you should watch his YouTube series, uh, um, uh, now, now more than ever. Oh, it's so good. It's oh, it's so, so good. funny. He's, he's hilarious. He's very artful in what he does. Honestly, I'm going to say this as a micro fandom is John Blair. Uh, <laughs> That's a great micro fandom. It's honestly. a great one. Um, but another one that I'm, uh, that I'm watching a ton, it's been around for years. I don't know if this counts as micro fandom, but it's current, the new season's on right now, is Taskmaster. Oh. Great show. <laughs> Obsessed with that show. The new season's out. You can watch them on YouTube. It's very funny. It's a British comedy uh, game show. Comedians do inane tasks for points I laugh I, I laugh every single time Very start funny. with season 5 amazing amazing Kyle what about you what are you nerding out um, about the Jeopardy tournament of champions is coming and I am so actively excited for it we've gotten very into Jeopardy recently um, because it's interactive and it's full of smarts and I love Ken Jennings and it makes us and feel safe I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm reading about Jeopardy strategy um, <laughs> like it's uh, it's it's becoming a thing like I'm never going to go on Jeopardy I do not have the recall like there's no way but I as, have so much admiration for the people who do it and I think it's so cool and I just love being part of the community for it. So like the Tournament of Champions is coming up and I am so stoked because Amy Schneider is like a hero. She's so amazing. Matea Roach, our like Toronto champion. Like there's so many good people in this Tournament of Champions. And I'm just really that last season, last season of Jeopardy had so many people with long so, runs. Of, so much ugh. so that they had to run a second chance tournament so that they had enough people to do the Tournament of Champions because there were so many champions that were so dominant. Look, it, talk to me on Twitter. I want to talk about <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> Steph, what are your micro fandoms? Okay, so we have been watching Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Um, rings, of, rings of Rings of Rings. Rings of Rings of Power. Of power Lords. Of rings of Lords. Lords of Power. Lords of Rings. Um, but the specifically, I'm going to get real micro about this because I have lots of thoughts about that show. We'll probably talk about it on the, the, fan, the club. fan club. But specifically the dwarves. The dwarves and the dwarven world that they have created. So you don't get to see a lot of that in Tolkien. They're always like, here's some elves. They're so nice and pretty. Here's some cute little hobbits. Oh my God. Men. Wow. They're messed up. Um, But you never get to see the dwarves and you get to go into Moria when it's a thriving city. Kazadoom. It's so exciting to me to see this. And there's a lot of similarities in design between uh, Lord of the Rings, one of my favorites, and Dragon Age, one of my other favorites. Uh, And watching the dwarves is just, I felt like I was in Dragon Age. I felt like I was in the world. It just, everything was right. The characters were right. They just nailed it. And it just, the joy, like, you can't see. My hands are clenched right now. I'm just so excited talking about this dwarves. Because they nailed it and they did a beautiful job at bringing this kind of joke of a race of Middle Earth into these full-fledged, beautiful fun, lively Loving. It's not just like, hey, look at this guy with the beard. He's going to get tossed. Lol, lol, lol. It's it's just a beautiful yeah. a beautiful glimpse into their culture. And that's a reason to watch a show all in itself. Even. More dwarves. More dwarves, More Amazon. Dwarves. More dwarves. More dwarves. Not to be con- confused with Mordor. Mordor, more dwarves. Mordor, more dwarves. <laughs> anyway. More dwarves at Mordor. Oh, but yeah. no, they'll get killed. No, 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 no. They no. need to get in there. They need to take over and revamp the, oh, the yeah, business yeah, yeah. model. Remodel, remodel. More dwarves Instead of a dark lord, Mordor. you would have a dwarf. <laughs> they, could use, they could use the lava to forge better weapons. That would be great. They, 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 the, the dwarves forge stuff in Oh, that. big time. Okay, cool. Because yeah, yeah, well, I know dwarves from other things and they... They are like the the blacksmiths yeah. of the world. Yes. Okay, yeah. I assumed yeah. it was the same. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah, all all sort of derived yeah. from Tolkien's dwarves. Anyway, um, uh, Shannon, 
Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Um, Thank you for letting me talk. I'm sorry I went on too long. Not at all. I just am very excited for our part two episode that we will eventually do, uh, where we're just going to go off again. Uh, Where can people find you? Oh, please find me on Twitter. If you follow me at Shannon LaHaye, it's just how my name is spelled, but uh, my last name has so many vowels, so it's L-A-H-A-I-E. If you uh, follow me there, I post about uh, most of the stuff that's going on with me, and uh, you can also tweet at me about Star Trek, please. I love it. Please, please, I beg you. Please, please, I beg you. Uh, Also, if you want to follow me on Twitch, I am Shenomenon. This is a little bit more uh, tricky, but it's S-H-A-N-E-M-E-N-0, the number zero, N, because... Uh, oh, N was taken. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's Shenomenon, but hey, if you follow me on Twitter, the link to my Twitch channel is right in there. So there you go. Beautiful. And till next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Bye. Bye. The Phantom Show. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com. <laughs>